Uh, praise the Lord, but happy Father's Day weekend to everybody that's a father in here. Not me yet, but happy Father's Day to everybody. So happy you decided to join us this weekend. Uh, if you guys don't know me and it's your first time here or maybe you just don't know me, no, I am not Pastor Frank. Even though I may look like him a little bit, uh, I'm Pastor Frank's son. And uh, just before I move on to this is our Bible right here making our declaration, I want to go ahead and give honor to our pastor, Pastor Frank and Pastor Lisa, my parents. This church would not be the church that it is today if it wasn't for Pastor Frank and Pastor Lisa. God has done a great work. Amen. Amen. Would you guys go ahead and just remain standing with me? I know you guys are wondering, why does he have some sneakers on him right now? Those are huge. I'll get there in a second. Pull out your Bible and let's make this Bible declaration. Let's make it together. All right. We're going to do it all at the same time. You guys got it? Awesome. We're going to do it. Ready? Three, two, one. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all God's destined me to be. Amen. That was awesome. That was great, guys. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, verse 19, Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus here, and he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. That is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to take a break from our series of mental health calls and we're going to do kind of a one-off sermon today and I'm excited to share it with you guys. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you, Lord for this opportunity for us to get before your presence, dive into your word. I pray that your word would speak and minister to every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. When I was in kindergarten through second grade, I came here to Faith Prep. Shout out to Faith Prep. You can send your students there. But I would play basketball in the gym with all of my friends. And we would be playing basketball there, and we would have these like little pickup games that we would have with just, you know, that were like disorganized and dysfunctional and all over the place. But 
every now and again, and sometimes even every day of the week during recess, we would have like a high schooler come and play with us for like five or 10 minutes, like for one of our games. And whenever the high school came in, we all wanted the high schooler on our team. Oh, I want him on my team. No, I want him on my team. We fight and we go back and forth. And the high school would be like, all right, all right, fine. I'll play on your team today and I'll play on your team tomorrow. But here was the thing. Whatever team the high schooler was on, we knew before the game even started which team had won. We knew that the team that was had the high schooler was just going to win. They already had victory. The game didn't really even need to be played to know who was going to win because the senior, of course, was going to lead his team to victory. It's kind of like Steph Curry with those uh, Golden State Warriors over the Celtics. Man, did anyone even doubt that Steph Curry was going to come through? Maybe some people. But whoever had the high schooler on their team, they had victory. They already had victory before the game even started. It was present tense, not future tense. And see, sometimes at church, we say that we're looking for victory. I'm looking for victory over anxiety. I'm looking for victory over depression. I'm looking for victory over sickness. I'm looking for victory over addiction. I'm looking for victory over sin in my life. But here's the reality. On this Father's Day, on this Father's Day weekend, the greatest gift that a father ever gave his children is this. Check this out. In Christ, we have victory. In Christ, we have victory. Man, I'm sure that some of you fathers are in here right now and you've given some good gifts to your kids. You're like, man, I've given them, you know, I got a new bike. Maybe you got them a car. Maybe you got them like a sports shirt. Maybe you got them some tickets to a concert they wanted to go to. And I know that you've received some good gifts as well, I hope, from your children. But the reality is, is that the greatest gift a father ever gave to his son is this. In Christ, we have victory. This is present tense. It's not futuristic. We, you know, I'm going to see victory. No, it's we already have victory. In Christ, we have victory. The same way that we knew whatever person had the high schooler on their team, was going to win, is the same way that I know that in Christ, we already have victory, present tense. In Christ, we no longer have to try and fight for a victory anymore. We already have victory. We fight from a place of victory, not striving for victory. When Christ died on the cross and he rose from the dead, he won total and complete victory for us. In Christ, we have victory. But here's the question I want to propose to you guys. I want to propose this question. Why do we have victory in Christ? Why do we have victory in Christ? So many times we hear in church, you have victory. Every week at Faith Church, we say, with Jesus, you're destined to win. And we are, amen. But why do we have victory in Christ? And I'm going to show you guys that tonight in God's word. My first point, we have victory because we possess power. We have victory because we have power. Look at what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says. It says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for who? For us who believe him. That is the same mighty power 
that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand. This right here is the position of power. The position of power. The apostle Paul, he says, anyone who believes in Christ possesses the power of God. That what? That raised Christ from the, from the dead. Notice how I said, anyone who's in Christ. If someone's not in Christ, they don't possess that power. But if you are in Christ and you're here in this room right now, I want you to just raise your hand real quick. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've repented of your sins, you've given your life to him. Amen. I see hands all around this room. That's encouraging. That's great. And if you raise your hand, here's what I want you to say out of your mouth right now. Say, I possess power. power. That was good, man. Come on now. You guys are alive. Um, I possess power. It's not your power on your own. It's not that you're a superhero. You have this power all on your own. It's that in Christ, you possess power. In Christ, we have victory. So I have these big old pair of shoes right here. You guys can see them. These are actually NBA basketball uh, player shoes. Like I think it's like Eddie Curry from the Knicks years ago. And you see these big old shoes right here. And Maybe you guys have seen this movie. Uh, it's, I'm actually aging myself here. I saw it a couple years ago because I like Michael Jordan basketball. But there was a movie called Like Mike. Like Mike. You, you guys have heard of it before, Like Mike. And in this movie, this boy finds this pair of Michael Jordan basketball sneakers. These are not Michael Jordan shoes. These are Nikes. But it's all I had, all right? But Michael Jordan shoes, they're on the floor. They're in the street. And... The boy kind of just decides, you know what? I'm going to put on these, these, these Jordan shoes. And he puts on the pair of shoes. And what ends up happening is he begins to possess the power to play basketball just like Michael Jordan. He's like 13 years old, but he's dunking. He's reverse dunking. He's hitting threes. He's playing better defense. All of a sudden, this guy literally looks like Mike. The same power that Michael Jordan had, he now possessed. It's the same way that in Christ, when you put him on, you possess his power. The same way that that little boy put on Michael Jordan's shoes and all of a sudden looked like Michael Jordan, played like Michael Jordan, talked like Michael Jordan, is the same way that in Christ, when you put him on, you talk like him, you walk like him, and you possess the same power that he possesses. What am I trying to tell you today, Faith Church? What am I trying to communicate? Is that you have power. Power over what? Power over any work of the devil. Power over any work of the devil that tries to come against you. See, the reality is, is that Christians are not weak. Christians are not powerless. Christians don't have to just hang their head and go, ah, you know, I'll get them next time, you know. Life is miserable, it's torturous, I have a painful life, it just sucks all the time. Christians do not have to be like that. Christians can understand that they have the power of Christ in them. They are a victor, not a victim. Just like Pastor Frank ministered to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are victors, not victims. Christ fought for our victory. So we can stop fighting. We don't have to fight anymore. We possess the power 
of Christ in us. If anything tries to come your way, and because the Bible does say in this world, you have, will have trouble, but guess what? We leave out the next part, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world in Christ. If anything tries to rear its ugly head at you, you can send it right back down by the power and authority of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of every single person who has put on Christ and accepted them as his savior. In Christ, we have victory. My second point, why do we have victory in Christ? We have victory because of Christ's position. We have victory because of Christ's position. Look at what verse 20 says. I love this. Same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. We have victory because of Christ's position. See, this position right here, the last one was the position of power. This is the position of intercession. The position of intercession. See, Christ is at the right hand of the Father. And what this means is that he's in a position of unmerited favor with God. He's in a place of unmerited favor with God, where he's seated far above any power, any ruler, any authority. And I love what the scripture says. Anything else. Some translations say anything that has a name. Anything else. Anything that has a name. Guess what? Christ is far above it. This literally, by the way, means anything else. Sometimes we can think, well, I'm not sure if God can handle this. This one seems kind of too hard. I don't know if Christ could really be above what's going on in my life right now. Guess what? The scripture says far above anything else. Anything that has a name. In Christ, we have victory. I need two volunteers I need two volunteers. I already got one of them. Gabby, can you come up? Grace, you come up too. Gabby and Grace. Perfect. Look at that. It's not a perfect imagery because God, because I'm about to illustrate uh, Jesus and God. And, and God is a man, by the way. He's a he. He revealed himself as such. But it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it now. Gabby, I want you to sit right here. And Grace, I want you to sit there. Gabby's one of my students. Grace is one of my youth leaders. They're awesome. Love them very much. But Christ is far above everything. And everything is under his feet. So literally, Christ is seated. Let's say that Gabby represents Christ and Grace represents God the Father. They, not, they aren't actually them. They represent them. And Gabby is literally at the right hand of Grace. The Son is literally at the right hand of the Father. He's far above. See how you guys look up and there's like, oh, they're far above. Right now, I'm standing right now taller. I'm standing far above. Christ is literally seated far above at the right hand of God. You guys are going to have to hang out there for a second, all right? And see, part of this position, part of this fact that Christ is seated at God's right hand is that he's interceding for us. It's a position of intercession, where Christ is literally seated right next at the right hand. That's why that's my right. Or that's, yeah, that's my right, by the way. It's not your right, but it is the right hand on my side. But at the right hand of God, literally interceding. How do I know this? Because Romans 8.34 says, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died, more than that, 
was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and watch this, is also interceding for us. But I think we get this a little bit wrong in the church. Actually, before I studied it, I had it wrong. Intercession, Christ interceding for us, is not actually maybe what we might look like, or what we might think. In the Old Testament, the high priest would be the intercessor for the people because only the high priest had direct access to the presence of God. No one else had access to God, direct access to God besides the high priest. No one can enter the Holy of Holies where God's presence was except for the high priest one time every single year. And so if you wanted to get something directly into the presence of God, you would have to go through the high priest. You'd have to say, hey, can you, can you intercede for me? Can you pray for this for me? And so the high priest would then go into the Holy of Holies and ask for repentance of sin for the people. And so that was the only way to the presence of God. But in the New Testament, Christ has now become our high priest. And he gives us direct access to the Father. The, the fact that Christ intercedes for us literally means this. It means that he has now given us access to the Father. Or Pastor Frank, I actually talked to him about this early this week. He said, linking our prayers to the Father. Linking our prayers to the Father. It's kind of like this. It's like, okay, I'm praying. And right, I'm going to hold Gabby's hand. And Gabby, you're going to hold Grace's hand. Literally, when I pray... Christ is standing there linking my prayers right to the Father. He's giving me direct access to be able to link my prayers and go right to the source of power, right to the source of, guess what? Victory. Right to the source of victory. So the next time you feel like, you know what? I feel like my prayers aren't being answered. I feel like my prayers aren't being heard. I've tried so hard. I've tried to go before the Lord and pray so many times. Are my prayers getting through? You can be confident that you have a great high priest in Jesus Christ, that he's literally the access. He's the link to the Father, and he's the one who can give you victory. You have access to the Father. You have direct access to the source of victory. If Christ is on your side, then no devil in hell can take victory from you. Simple. Christ is on your side. Christ is the victor. God the Father is the source of victory. If they're on your side, then you already have victory. The same way that no second grader could cross up a high schooler is the same way that no, that the devil cannot cross up Jesus. The same way that the devil cannot defeat the son, cannot defeat the father. In Christ, we have victory. We have victory because we can call on the father at any time. Anytime in Christ, we have victory. Next point. Why do we have victory in Christ? So we said, because we possess power, right? We, we talked about the fact that we possess power. We talked about Christ's position. But now check this out. We have victory because of our position in Christ. We have victory because of our position in Christ. Pastor Mary's already excited about it because she knows where I'm going with this right now. Come on now. Ephesians chapter two, verse four, it says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. What's this? Last one was the position of intercession. This is the position of favor. 
the position of favor. The word says, again, that those who belong to Christ, if you're not in Christ, I'm not talking to you. But if you are in Christ, those that are in Christ, that they're seated with him in the heavenly realms. So if Christ is seated in the heavenly realms and Christ is at the right hand of the Father, then anyone who is in Christ is also seated in heavenly places, is also seated far above, also has all things under his feet because if Christ is far above, just like they're far above right here, then that means that anything down here in the world is under his feet. That means that anything in this life is under your feet as well because you're united with Christ. So guess what this means right here? This means right here? This is my seat right here. This is our seat right here. This is where we can sit down right next to Christ. He's at the right hand, but we're right with them, seated in the heavenly realms. Guess what that means right here? That means that anything anxiety tries to come your way, yeah, far above. That means that depression tries to come your way, yeah, under my feet in Christ. That means that sickness tries to come your way, under my feet in Christ. That means that anything the devil tries to throw at you, it's under your feet in Christ because you're seated with him. In heavenly places, far above. Hallelujah. Far above. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Give it up for them. They sat up here for a long time. Amen. Far above. Far above. Anything. Say anything. Anything. It doesn't matter. Far above. And I love this. You're so far above. Your feet can't even touch it. It has no part of you. Because in Christ, you're far above. We're already positioned in victory. I said this before. You don't have to fight for victory anymore. Christians are always fighting. You know, I'm, I'm fighting. I'm, you know, I'm wrestling. You know, I'm doing this or whatever. And it's like, okay, I understand. You know, we go through things in life. There's difficulties that do happen. But guess what? You already have victory. You're already positioned there. I want you guys to say this. I'm positioned in victory. Say it like you mean it. I'm positioned in victory. In Christ. In Christ. Notice how I act. I added in Christ. See, without Christ, you're not positioned anywhere in victory, anywhere close to victory. In fact, you're in complete defeat. But in Christ, you have complete and total victory because Christ has won the victory. In Christ, we're far above. In Christ, all things are under our feet because we're united with him in heavenly places. In Christ, we have victory. So let me now say this, because I'm sure somebody's thinking it. But Joey, why am I not seeing victory happen? Hmm. Well, I, 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 know, I hear what you're saying, that in Christ, we have victory, but why am I not seeing victory? Watch this, and worship team, you guys can start to make your way up. My last point, we have victory before we see it. We have victory before we see it. And what I mean by see it is see it in the natural before it manifests. That's the Christian Bible word for, uh, for before you see it manifest before it happens. This right here, the last position we had the position of intercession. We had, uh, we had, uh, uh, what was our other position? Actually, I just blanked on myself. We had The position of favor. Pastor Mary in the house today. Come on now. We have the position of favor. And this right here is the position of faith. Victory before you see it. 
Victory before it happens in the natural. See, we have victory before we actually see it happen. We have victory before it comes to pass. Why do I say that? Well, guess what? God doesn't see time the same way that we do. God sees your past, what you've already done. He sees your present, what you're currently going through. And he sees those things, but guess what? At the same time, not at a different time, at the same time, he sees you seated with Christ in heavenly places. He sees you as already a victor. He sees you as already having victory because he sees time all at once. Christ sees you, or God sees you seated with Christ in heavenly places despite your present struggle. We see this all throughout the Bible. We see God telling his people that they have victory before it actually happens in the natural. How do I know this? Joshua chapter six, verse one. Joshua chapter six, verse one, it says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed in or out. Next verse. Oh, it went blank on me. There it is. Oh, that's not it. Joshua 6, verse 1. I'll pull it up myself. Amen. Hallelujah. Joshua 6. After verse 1, it says, But the Lord said to Joshua, watch this. I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Why do I say that? Okay, he he gave it to them. Well, what you might not know is that Joshua actually hadn't walked around the walls yet and they hadn't fallen yet. The walls were still there. The problem was still there. But he said, guess what? I've given it to you. I've given you victory over the city. I've given you victory over its kings. How many of you guys know, despite what you might be feeling in the natural, despite our feelings and what we might be going through, if we just continue to believe God, we understand that, guess what? He's already given it into our hands. He's already given us victory. Next, Gideon in Judges 6, 12 through 14. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Gideon tried to tell God all the different things. Didn't you do this? Didn't you? Didn't this? Didn't that? And you know what he said? God said, go, I'm sending you. I am with you. No, you already have the victory, Gideon. In fact, God called Gideon a mighty man of valor when he was hiding inside of a wine press from the enemy. What does that mean for you and I? God sees us as he calls us. He doesn't see us in our present situation. He sees you as a victor, despite whether or not you view yourself as a victim. You are a victor in Christ. Elijah in 1 Kings 18.41. Pastor preached this last week. Elijah said, you guys can put that up behind me, 1 Kings 18.41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Okay, he said that there was a rainstorm coming. That's nice. But what you may not know is that there was a three and a half year drought in the land. They hadn't seen rain in three and a half years. 
But Elijah said, by faith, he said, go, because there's a rainstorm coming. Rain's about to fall down on this place. What is that right there? That's understanding the victory that he already had, even though he hadn't seen it yet. We see, like Pastor preached a couple of weeks back in Hebrews 11, 1 through 2, we all know it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Pastor preached this in uh, mental health goals, talking about how faith sees things before they happen. And that's 100% true. Faith sees things before they happen. Faith understands that regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's happening in my life, that in Christ we have victory. And guess what some people say? Well, what about death? Do you know where we go when we die? With Christ in victory. There is no defeat for the life of a Christian. There's only victory. Even if there's a setback, even if there's tribulation, even if there's trial, remember the words of Jesus that he has overcome this world. Until the day you die, you can live in victory. And when you die, you get to see every ounce of victory. But even in this life, so many times we're so futuristic as Christians. You know, Later on, we'll have victory. It will happen that sometime next week. You know, maybe in two years I can have victory. You know, ah, five, ten years. And then we get to five and ten years and we add another five and ten years. But guess what? In Christ, we have victory. Present tense. You have victory. In the same way that God told Gideon and Joshua that they had victory before it happened is the same way that the Bible tells anyone who's in Christ, anyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have victory. Present tense. The same way I knew that my team had victory when we had that high schooler on our team is the same way that you can know with confidence that you have victory with Christ on your team. If you would put on Christ, and if you have put on Christ before, you have victory. So stop fighting. Understand the fact that our vision is with Jesus, you're destined to win. We say that at this church every single week. And I was thinking about it even myself as I was preparing. Man, did I realize the reality of with Jesus, you're destined to win? Did I realize the fact that in Christ, I have victory? That's what pastor means when he says, with Jesus, you're destined to win. Is that in Christ, you have victory. You're destined to win. It doesn't matter what we see in the natural What's going on in the supernatural? Learn to put on our supernatural eyes. Be able to see the fact that with Christ we have victory. Even before we see it come to pass in the natural. Why? Because we have power in Christ. Why? Because of Christ's position. Why? Because all things are under the feet of Christ. And if we're united with Christ, then all things are under our feet as well. As long as we're in Christ, we have victory. We have victory before it happens, before it happens, before we see it with our natural eyes. Welcome it by faith. Welcome it by faith. You know, there was a pastor of a very large church in Atlanta, Georgia, and he got diagnosed with with cancer and it was very severe. And he said in his uh, state he was at, he said, I had one of two choices. He said, I could have either accepted it and just saw what happened. Or I could take the position of faith. 
I could see what God might do in this situation. And so he decided to align himself in faith with the word of God. And he believed God. And he continued to welcome the fact, see by faith that himself healed. And God did a miraculous work in his life and completely healed his body. And he's still pastoring to this day, five years later, eight years later, however long it's been. There was a a man named Dr. Lester Sumrall. The Lord had called him. He said, go to Japan. And he said, go, go to Japan. How could I ever go to Japan? God, God, I don't have any money to go to Japan. And he said, you have enough money to get there. And Dr. Sumrall said, okay. And so he bought his ticket to go to Japan, get on a boat to go there. And they, people came up to him and said, Lester, you're out of your mind. You're going to go to Japan and die. And he said, well, right on my gravestone that Lester Sumrall died trusting God. Hmm. But here's the thing. Dr. Sumrall knew God wasn't going to ruin his record of faithfulness in this situation. He knows that he's already got a winning record, that he's not gonna, that he's not gonna fail, he's not gonna lose this time around. And so he went there. And so many times, you know, who would actually do that? People say, you know, oh, well, I'm gonna, you know, raise funds and then I'm gonna get to where God's called me to do, you know, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, 30 years from now. Dr. Summerall just went. And God blessed him everywhere he went. He arrived in the country. He met somebody. They gave him a place to live. He began to, uh, he began to get a job, be able to have money. He began to minister the gospel to people. And God used him as a powerful general in the faith in his lifetime. But I wonder if he wouldn't have seen his victory in the supernatural. Would he have ever seen the thing God promised, the victory in the natural? So I'm going to hop down here real quick this point in time, they like me to stay up there for Saturday night camera stuff. But I'm down here right now because I want to make a plea to you guys that are in here right now. If you're in here and you're saying to yourself, I never realized the victory that I actually had in Christ. I kind of have had a victim mentality. I, I haven't seen the fact that in Christ I have victory. And you're saying right now, I want to today come and see what God might do. I want to see what victory might manifest itself in this place right now. Maybe you're believing God for something and you haven't seen it happen yet. I want you to come down and join me in prayer. And I specifically want to pray if anybody here in this room, if you have any stomach problems or any acid reflux, I want to pray for you specifically. But I want to ask you to come down to the altar. The worship team is going to play a song. If you guys can, can do Liberty, well, that would be great because Liberty is awesome. Love it. God's going to touch some people in here today. I'm going to ask you to take a step in faith. I'm not concerned. You know, people ask me, are you concerned that nobody's going to come down and, and, and for prayer for their stomach? No. You know why? Because when God asks you to do something, you do it. Last week, uh, two weeks ago at Impact, I, made a, I said that the Lord was asking me to, do, uh, to pray for somebody with something. Nobody came down. After service, somebody came to me and said, that was me that should have came down. Let's see what God might do. Let's begin to worship him. And during this song, I just want to lay hands on you and believe God to do something in your life. What could go so wrong with believing for the victor to bring victory? Amen? Let's worship the Lord. Come on down if you want want to believe God for prayer.